people who can get pregnant are struggling to refill some of their prescriptions in states where abortion is banned or mostly banned. Pharmacists in states like Texas have reportedly refused to refill prescriptions for methotrexate, which can be used to end a pregnancy. It also happens to be a drug that's the gold standard for treating rheumatoid arthritis and other chronic conditions. With us to break this down is Ian Milheiser, a lawyer who writes as a senior correspondent for Vox. Welcome to Reset, Ian. It's good to be here. Thanks so much. Also joining us is Dr. Kugi Edens, an adult and pediatric rheumatologist with the University of Chicago Medicine. Hi, Dr. Edens. Hi, Sasha. Thanks for having me. So tell us, what is methotrexate exactly? Sure. Um, so methotrexate is a chemotherapy agent, um, but in actually low doses, it's called a disease-modifying anti-rheumatic drug that decreases inflammation that's caused by autoimmune diseases. In rheumatology, we've actually been using methotrexate to treat rheumatoid arthritis since the 1950s. Uh, we, all, however, also use it to treat things like lupus, vasculitis, and all different types of arthritis. We also use it to treat inflammatory eye conditions. It's also been the gold standard medication to treat children with juvenile arthritis since the 1990s. Uh, outside of rheumatology, aside from cancer, it's also used to treat skin conditions like psoriasis and severe eczema, and also to treat inflammatory bowel disease like Crohn's disease. And unfortunately, there's mm -hmm. no real alternative to methotrexate. So it's used for a lot of things. So talk to us more, Dr. Edens, about what methotrexate has to do with abortion. Sure. Um, uh, in higher doses, uh, much higher than I use for my patients uh, for their rheumatic or autoimmune disease, methotrexate is used as a treatment for ectopic pregnancy specifically and usually combined with uh, misoprostone. Ian, some folks are struggling to fill their prescriptions. Tell us what's going on there. Yes, yeah, so we're hearing a number of reports. It's serious enough that the Arthritis Foundation put out a statement about this, that patients are going to pharmacies and you know they, they can't get their methyltrexate prescriptions filled. And it seems like this is happening for a variety of reasons. In, in some cases, you have hospitals or health providers. I mean, in some cases, doctors are refusing to write the prescriptions because they're confused about state law. They don't know what it means that abortion is now banned in their state, and they don't know if they could be subject to criminal liability if they mm. fill a prescription for a drug that, despite the fact that it is mostly used for things that have nothing to do with abortion, can be used to help terminate a pregnancy. The second major class of folks that you, that you have, I think, are what are often referred to as pharmacist refusal cases. So you have some pharmacists, some health providers who have moral or religious objections to abortion, and they may basically impose those views upon a patient. Um, the laws vary from state to state regarding whether a pharmacist is allowed to refuse to fill a prescription because they have a personal objection to it. But one mm -hmm. thing that I fear is that the current Supreme Court is very, very solicitous of religious conservatives. And I think it is very likely that when one of these cases reaches the Supreme Court, they're going to hold that the law in all 50 states permits these sorts of pharmacist refusals. Yeah, pharmacist refusals. Dr. Edens, why would a pharmacist refuse to fill a methotrexate prescription? I agree that they would be worried um, that they could legally be accountable um, if a patient, for example, would fill their methotrexate 
um, take it for their rheumatoid arthritis and was unknowingly pregnant and then would cause them a miscarriage. Uh, I guess theoretically, a patient could also knowingly uh, use their personal prescription of methotrexate to cause an abortion as well, uh, especially as uh, abortion restrictions are becoming more prevalent. Mm-hmm. Talk about patients and, and your colleagues in in other states. What are you hearing from them? Right. You know, thankfully, uh, we're in Illinois, and um, this has not become an issue for us. Uh, but definitely my colleagues in um, Texas, uh, as well as um, other uh, states who've uh, been discussing uh, bans or who've had uh, trigger bans go into place, are very worried about um, our patients uh, not being able to have access uh, to this very important medication. Uh, I've had um, colleagues reach out that patients as young as you know, elementary age have been turned away from pharmacists, um, not being able to fill their prescription or had to prove that they're not pregnant and able uh, to actually get their methotrexate from the pharmacy itself. Mm. And these pharmacist refusals, who's going to be hit hardest by this? Well, I mean, the irony of it is, you know, most of these laws that permit pharmacist refusals, and of course, you know, the Dobbs decision itself was a party line decision, are examples of Republicans mostly hurting their own voters. Um, So I live in a major city. I live in the D.C. metro area. There's a CVS every three blocks. If I go with my methyltrexate prescription to a CVS and they won't fill it, I'm going to be annoyed. It's going to be an inconvenience. I'm going to walk three blocks, and chances are the pharmacist in in that um, CVS will fill it for me. But mm-hmm. if you live in a rural area, and I used to teach school in a rural area, there was, there was, I believe, one pharmacist in the county. And so if that pharmacist refused to fill the prescription, my option was to drive 30 minutes to the next county where there's no guarantee that the pharmacist in that county is going to fill my prescription. Right. So like yeah. the people who are going to be hit the hardest by this are people in sparsely populated areas, you know, areas that tend to be much more conservative. And you know, and they are the ones who are not just going to be inconvenienced but might find themselves unable to get medications that they need to save their life. Well, I want to talk about you for a moment Ian because you you actually do take methotrexate yourself. The, what does it the, do that's for right. you? What does it do for you? And and talk about your quality of life now with this uh, medication. Yeah. So I have a condition called Crohn's disease, which basically means that my immune system goes rogue and attacks my small intestine if it is untreated. Um, Treated, my life is almost completely normal. You know, my doctors say I don't have to worry about my longevity. I live a completely normal life. It's just not a big deal. Without treatment... Eventually, what will happen is that my small intestine will rupture and my digestive juices will start leaking into my body and will digest my organs. Um, It's a very, very painful way to die. So, you know, the the stakes here are very high. You know, in, in, in some cases, we're talking about quality of life issues. In many cases, we're talking about life or death issues. You know, we're talking about patients who need to take this drug in order to keep a life-threatening condition at bay. Yeah. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. If you're just tuning in, we're talking about what filling your prescriptions looks like in a post-Roe America. Specifically, if you take methotrexate, which is used to treat a whole host of chronic conditions uh, and can also be used to end a pregnancy. We're talking with reporter and lawyer Ian Milheiser and Dr. Kugi Edens from the University of Chicago Medicine. Dr. Edens, you know, sort of picking up where Ian left off here, 
I'd love to hear from you. What happens to people if they cannot get anyone to fill their prescription for this? What does it mean uh, for so the illnesses and, and the symptoms that they're trying to manage? Yeah, you know, unfortunately, patients who don't have access to their methotrexate um, will get sicker with, the, with their diseases, uh, and they can, their diseases can become more active. Um, we call that a, a disease flare. Um, unfortunately, this can lead to long-term term damage to our patients, whether it's their joints or their bowels, as Ian was stating. Um, this can lead to very poor quality of life. It can lead to missed work. It can lead to hospitalizations. Um, often when someone's in a flare, they need higher risk medication to get their flare under control. It also mm -hmm. increases healthcare costs. And so all of these things, um, you know, are greatly tied into someone not getting access to this very gold standard medication, um, which we've been using for a really long time. You know, Ian mentioned things like lifespan and, um, you know, things um, like death. Methotrexate's actually been shown to improve the cardiovascular health of patients with rheumatoid arthritis and actually improve their lifespan. So not having access to this very standard medication is really doing mm -hmm. harm uh, to these patients. So if, if you can get... Sorry. Oh, go ahead, doctor. Uh, in rheumatology, we also need more than one medication to often control a patient's uh, disease process. Um, so patients who don't have access to methotrexate, there are other medications that they may be on, like things like biologics, also may not work as well. So although someone say, oh, well, you can just try a different medication, that medication actually may not work as well if they're not taking methotrexate. Yeah. Bigger picture here, Ian, what does this issue with methotrexate tell us about what's happening in, in healthcare post-Roe? Well, I mean, the issue is that there aren't clear lines between abortion care and other forms of medical care. You know, there are many drugs that have multiple uses. And so if states are allowed to ban a drug because they don't like how it will be used for one purpose, they're potentially cutting it off for other purposes. There's a ton of confusion right now. I mean, Roe v. Wade was only struck down three weeks ago. So lawyers who work for hospitals, who work for other health providers, don't really know what the law is. And no one will know what the law is until a lot of these issues are litigated, which could take years. And then looming over all of this is the fact that we already, you know, the highest court in the country, the Supreme Court, has already shown that it's willing to toss out well-settled law in order to spite abortion rights. And it has shown over and over again that it is very solicitous to the interest of religious conservatives. And so we don't know how this is all going to settle, but I think that one thing that is likely to happen is that pharmacists, that health providers who have religious objections to these drugs, which can be used in abortion care, are probably going to prevail in court. They're probably going to win the right to refuse to dispense or refuse to, to refuse to prescribe. And again, in, the, in areas where people don't have access to a lot of doctors or a lot of pharmacists, that's going to have very real health costs for a lot of patients. Mm -hmm. Dr. Edens, are you aware if there are any national efforts right now to track the effects of not having access to a drug? Uh, so as Ian stated, the Arthritis Foundation has um, started to advocate uh, for patients. Um, and so we're requesting patients who can't get their methotrexate for whatever reason um, to actually reach out to them. 
the mm-hmm. American College of Rheumatology is also doing the same. So if patients cannot access their medication, um, they should also reach out uh, to the American College of Rheumatology. Uh, the College of American College of Rheumatology also is forming a task force um, for methotrexate, but I think also to address the larger issues that may come out with the various bands and the overturn of Roe versus Wade. I think the concern that I have as a rheumatologist who also has a strong interest in reproductive health is that women are more affected by autoimmune diseases. Uh, Women outnumber men uh, in rheumatoid arthritis three to one. Uh, Women are 10 times more likely to have lupus than men. And so this is really widening the gap in terms of gender care um, that we have. That also, those statistics also apply um, to children as well. Uh, And the majority of rheumatic diseases are actually diagnosed in childbearing years. So if we also have other restrictions, like things like contraception or emergency contraception, then that's also really going to affect uh, women as a whole who have rheumatic and autoimmune diseases. As you talk about this this widening of, of the gender gap in, in healthcare, uh, does it differ for the pediatric patients you treat? I think it is the same. Um, you know, uh, any childbearing age patient seems uh, to be able to be affected by this uh, methotrexate barrier. Ian, what does the Affordable Care Act say about filling a prescription like this? for some people and then refusing to fill it for others. Yeah, so there there are a number of statutes. The Affordable Care Act is the most robust that prohibits certain forms of discrimination in healthcare. Um, so the, the two most relevant restrictions here are that there can't be discrimination on the basis of sex and under federal law, discriminating on the basis of pregnancy or ability to become pregnant is a form of sex discrimination. And then there is also discrimination on the basis of disability, which is not allowed. So theoretically, if I walk into a pharmacist, I say I want to fill my methyltrexate prescription and the pharmacist says, well, you're a dude, you're not gonna get pregnant, that's fine. And then an hour later, a woman walks in and the pharmacist says, well, I'm worried that you're gonna get pregnant so so you can't get this prescription. That should be illegal because that is sex discrimination and health providers generally aren't allowed to engage in sex discrimination. The danger, as I said, is that the Supreme Court is likely to say that religion is the trump card because the Constitution provides that, you know, people's free exercise of religion should be protected. The Supreme Court has interpreted that passage aggressively and expansively since Justice Barrett gave Republicans a supermajority on on the Supreme Court. And so even though federal law does provide very robust protections against discrimination in health care, I think there's, uh, you know, it is unlikely that those protections are going to remain remain robust in the face of a court that tends to view religion as a trump card. Mm-hmm. Briefly tell us, Ian, about the, the case in Texas that could impact this. Yeah, so th- this case deals more, I mean, this case deals more with like actual abortion care, but with life-saving abortion care. So yeah. there is a different federal law called EMTALA, 
which says that emergency rooms which receive federal funds, which is basically all emergency rooms because they all almost all receive Medicare and Medicaid funds. If a patient shows up with a medical emergency, they can't just turn the patient away. They have to stabilize the patient. And so, like, if I'm shot, for example, even if I don't have insurance, if I show up with a sucking chest wound, they have to stabilize me before before they can let me go. The mm-hmm. same rules should apply to patients where the treatment is an abortion. So if someone has an ectopic pregnancy that's about to rupture, you know, the, the, the treatment for that would, would, would most likely be an abortion. And again, an ectopic pregnancy is not a viable pregnancy. You know, that, that's what typically when the, um, the when the embryo is, is developing in the fallopian tube. And so if. You know, the, the Biden administration has said that just as the emergency room has to stabilize the gunshot victim, they also mm-hmm. have to stabilize the person with an ectopic pregnancy that's about to rupture. And the question in this case is whether the Biden administration essentially is right, whether that hospital does have to stabilize that patient and provide that emergency abortion. Before I let you both go, Dr. Edens, what are you going to be watching for in these next several months? So I'm definitely going to be watching for more patients, unfortunately, coming forward with stories of methotrexate denial, um, but hoping that the task force from the American College of Rheumatology can help guide uh, the rheumatologist. Uh, and I hope that other medical organizations also join in, because as we said, this medication isn't just for rheumatic diseases, but um, other diseases as well. Um, and I hope um, in the future that we can um, maintain access to contraception and emergency contraception for my high-risk patients. Dr. Kugi Edens is from the University of Chicago Medicine, and Ian Milheiser is a lawyer and a senior correspondent for Vox. Thank you both for your time. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've got more for you on the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.